Everybody. Welcome to episode 47 of the Bomber Brothers podcast, the, the Felix Heredia episode. He was number 47, right? I have no idea. <laughs> I could not tell you one thing about Felix Heredia. I could tell you he was on the Yankees yeah. for, for a point. But anyway, uh, it's Sean and Ryan back with you for another episode, a part of the Pinstripe Alley community of podcasts. We are getting closer to opening day, what are we? Thirty-five days away now, I think. A little closer. On my on my counter, I am definitely keeping track of that because, uh, let's face it, our hockey teams are going nowhere. Hey, the, hey, hey, the hey! Knicks hey, hey. are going nowhere. So, this is all we have. This is all we've got right now. Yeah, uh, Rutgers lost yesterday, which puts a big big damper on their NCAA tournament hopes. So, uh, but I'm still excited. They're for still going to get in. Yeah, I, I think so too. Kyle's really down on it on it, but I think he's just being a little, uh, you know, a little pessimistic. But yeah. uh, Notre Dame had a nice win, by the way. Not to get off off topic, but that was a, a great win against uh, UNC. Yeah, I mean UNC sucks this year, but that was still a great still. win. It's yeah. oh, it's been painful. They've had like. Four one possession losses, three of them to ranked teams. If they had a yeah. couple, couple different plays, and they'd be a lock. Now they now they're fighting for their tournament lives. But anyway, and don't don't lump the Rangers in with the Devils because the Rangers are only six points back of a playoff spot and have a better goal differential than all of the teams in front of them. So you know, you never know. That's true. Goal differential is <laughs> is is good to look on, but obviously. The points are what matters. Yeah, I mean six six with what about twenty two to play is uh, twenty twenty three to play is is quite a, quite a hill to climb, especially there's two teams between them and the Islanders. But uh, whatever, we won't have to talk about that. Yeah, we're here to talk about the Yankees, and the Yankees have been doing a lot of talking now that everyone's reported to spring training. There's been. Uh, it's and it's been every team in the league really now that everyone's at spring training and now reporters are able to ask about players reactions to the Astros sign stealing situation a, a news cycle that just continues to spin and spin and it's not going anywhere until games finally get started and it probably won't even go yeah anywhere I don't even either think so <laughs> I, mean, I mean because they're already talking about well when the Astros come to Yankee Stadium and that's in September every time the Astros go somewhere new it's gonna yeah. be a story mm-hmm yeah, it's probably not going anywhere. And look, it's one of the biggest scandals in in baseball history. It's it's rightfully so not going anywhere. Reporters are doing exactly what their job is, um, what their job entails, which is asking those questions about the news of the day. So, but anyway, the Yankees have been pretty vocal about things. I mean, even some of the usually more soft spoken ones. Aaron Judge. Dropped the hammer, said he didn't feel like the Astros earned their title. 
Um, Stanton said he did eighty. Yes, that which is uh, that's that's a good one. That's a good one to um, to debate. If if John Carlos Stanton in twenty seventeen knew what pitches were coming, would he hit eighty home runs? I think he could get close. Um, what did he finish I mean, with? Fifty nine. I think he yeah he finished with fifty nine. Because they batted him lead off on the last day of the season, right? Yeah, so so we got to get him twenty one more home runs. But if he knew what pitches were coming, yeah, it's possible. But I mean, I think so. I, I th- you know, I, we kind of said this when it all started that the strong reactions from the players on social media at the time indicated that this wasn't something that all teams were doing. And we've seen now Bellinger. Judge, Stanton, and Trout all have extremely strong reactions to to this. So I don't think this is something that is as widespread as the pessimist in me originally thought. Um, I, I'm really surprised with how strong these players are coming out against other players and how awful the Astros are handling it doesn't surprise me, but it's kind of comical at this point that they just can't get out of their own freaking way and keep keep doing the problem and i don't know about you but i thought i was shocked about how what trout said because trout is you know the most vanilla personality um and most chocolate player i guess if chocolate's delicious and vanilla's bland but um i and i but i loved what aaron judge said that the title holds no value i thought that was such that was such just a good like this is a perfect moral moment of understanding like when you cheat your wins have mean nothing it, even if you enjoyed them it was still a meaningless enjoyment yeah and according to the commissioner the the trophy holds no value either it's just just a piece of metal but then he apologized to the trophy <laughs> which is his trophy yeah <laughs> That that pretty much sums up how the league and the Astros have handled this whole situation. The commissioner had to apologize to his own trophy. And then apparently he said the Players Association wouldn't work with them. And Tony Clark comes out and says, well, that's not true. Well, yeah. Who are you going to believe there? Because Tony Clark hasn't done the best job either. It's, 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 well, uh, that's the thing. It's neither of them. It's been a major shit show. The Astros have been very, very uh, – poor at handling it themselves i mean they've even their owner jim crane has even gone as far to say that he didn't think that that the sign stealing had any impact on the game or gave them any kind of advantage and then when he had that answer read back to him not even a minute later he said i never said that (laughs) i never said that that was like he went full uh, francesa i don't know if francesa has ever done anything that oh yeah i'm sure he has We'll have to just dig up uh, Funhouse's account, but um, yeah, that's like the Dave Chappelle skit when uh, with Charlie Murphy when they just rewind the tape. But yeah, the, the Astros have handled this horribly, and I, I don't know. I, like I, I 100% agree with Aaron Judge said, and the Athletic article that Lindsay put out yesterday was absolutely amazing, and I think I tweeted out. If you don't love Aaron Judge, if you don't want an Aaron Judge jersey after reading that, like, go get one Like and, and get an athletic subscription because that article was amazing. And I agree with what he says about setting an example and everything like that. But at the same time, as an adult fan that knows right from wrong and that doesn't take my moral lessons from baseball players, which I understand kids do and kids, you know, 
athletes have have a responsibility to understand that regardless kids are going to but as an adult that doesn't this has been kind of fun and it's kept me interested all off season and engaged in baseball in a way that last year didn't happen because i was just angry but this is almost like comical it's almost comedy to me at this point yeah i, I mean i'll be i'll be honest i'm getting kind of tired of it and i just want to watch some baseball games now but no, it, it has definitely kept baseball in the spotlight through the off season, and it's been pretty wild. I mean, it's the the Twitter reactions from players definitely uh, definitely reaching NBA levels of, of player uh, player interaction, and, and hey, even LeBron got in on it. What was LeBron's hashtag? It was like um, like not a baseball player, but in sports or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to look it up right now. But I saw uh, I think it was Jesus Nice uh, tweeted out LeBron in a Yankees jersey and he was like, let's make it happen. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah, I'd take LeBron on the Yankees. Just my thoughts coming from a sports junkie, regardless of my (laughs) own sports, I sport I play. That's the, the best, whole hashtag. That's the best he hashtag said, ever. Listen, I know I don't play baseball, but I am in sports. Sports is capitalized. And I know if someone cheated me out of winning the title and I found out about it, I would be fucking irate. I mean, like uncontrollable about uncontrollable about what I would slash could do. Listen here, baseball commissioner. Listen to your players speaking today about how disgusted, mad, hurt, broken, et cetera, et cetera, about this. Literally the ball. And then he put a ball emoji in is in your court more parentheses or should i say field close parentheses and you need to fix this for the sake of sports and then the hashtag what a tweet it's a hall of fame tweet from one of the best players of all time that was that was like a jose canseco rant yeah who still won't return my calls that's messed up um all right so like we were saying, plenty of um, plenty of strong reactions from Yankees universe. And honestly, I mean, what else would you expect? This is a team that has knocked the Yankees out of the um, playoffs two of the last three years. Uh, one of them when they were one win away from the World Series, and that is the major year in question. And Rob Manfred confirmed in his do-over press conference that uh, the Astros were using um, this sign ceiling system through the postseason, so I'm sure that probably makes the Yankees even more upset. And you know, CC was like the first to really make his uh, strong feelings known because he had the R2C2 platform. But now that the Yankees have theirs with all the reporters in spring training, they're letting everyone know how they feel about it, which I think is totally fine. I mean, Judge, let's see what else he said. Going in and knowing what's coming, that's more people on base. You're getting more walks. You're getting more hits. You come to the plate with more opportunities for guys on base. I think that's a great way of showing that, you know, if if you're trying to look for some tangible things that the sign stealing affected in that specific at-bat, like maybe that's not always where the effect is seen. It's all the residual effects, more taxing on pitchers, trying trying to get guys out when you're going against someone that knows what's coming. And, and then, you know, you use a pitcher more and then that that can affect the rest of a playoff series. So you really exactly. you really don't know what the scope and, and you'll never and we'll never know exactly what would have happened. And that maybe is one of the more um, frustrating parts of it. And that's why Judge said he doesn't think the World's 2017 World Series doesn't 
hold any value. He was also another player who said he wasn't a fan of the punishment, said he thought it was a little weak for a player-driven scheme. seemed like a lot of players have kind of had that same reaction that the punishment was a little was a little weak but I mean uh, Gardner Gardner talked as well he he wasn't happy about it uh Glaber Torres said that um let's see what he, I know he had said something about Altuve yeah like that he still respects him and he's like sad about what happened yeah but um Gardner had some we have to get to Gardner because there's some weird <laughs> stuff going on with him. Yeah. Uh, and we also have to talk about Judge's shoulder, but regardless. Um, Gardner, they asked him if he felt cheated. He said, yeah, without getting too far into it, it's frustrating to know looking back that maybe we weren't even, weren't on an even playing field. He has some stri- pretty strong feelings of the Astros, most of which he'll keep to himself. But he said he was frustrated, and he said – and this gets me pumped up. He's excited about the team we have and beating every single team that we're playing, especially those guys. Nice. That, got me, that got me hyped. And apparently, um, uh, what's his face? Lee Mazzilli told him he looks like he could play another five years. And he said, no, nah, I'm going out on top in about nine months. So, uh, Oh, yeah. Yep. So, sounds like the Gardner, um, the Gardner retirement tour is on. And he's just coming out with quote after quote, and I'm pumped. He did the little bang thing I saw when he ran out to the outfield for the first time yep, to yep. stretch. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for the Guardi, Guardi Party 2020. Yeah, as long as they keep that, that stalker away from him. Yeah, man. So that's insane. Like, apparently he's got some woman that stalks him that he's never met. That tried to break into the clubhouse when they were at Camden Yards and in a lawsuit filed against Brett, the Yankees said that Brett Gardner, quote, looks sad when she's not at the games and makes sexual uh, movements with his hips in the dugout that are intended for her. So uh, cuckoo's nest. And uh, yeah. yeah, let's just hope Brett Gardner's family is safe and, and uh, away from this this woman. Yeah, and let's no, hope this woman gets some help because she's obviously off the off her rocker. Yeah, those are the two most important things that Gardner feels actually feels safe with. Uh, what seems like not a fully level headed person who took the let Brett bang movement way out of context, and just hope this is something that uh, that's. Res- I mean, obviously he doesn't want to comment about it because it's probably not something. Why would you want to talk about something like that to uh, to reporters? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's I mean, insane. Is there anything else we need to touch on about the Astros stuff, which is what we lead with pretty much every week? <laughs> we went from the Astros banging a trash can to a woman wanting to bang Brett Gardner. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, yeah, we got to talk about Judge's cranky shoulder. I mean, I'm cranky all the time. I don't have a really too much of a problem about it. But, um, yeah. I mean, he seems good. Like, he threw yesterday, and they said he's going to hit in a couple of days. So, I don't know. Maybe just, you know, you're doing drill day after day after day to get back in shape. Maybe inflammation crops up. The one thing that kind of bothered me a little bit was when Boone said that his MRI showed basically his shoulder is the same as it's always been. But there was definitely like hesitation there, like that makes you believe there's something wrong in that shoulder. 
Yeah, that, well, is it the shoulder that he hurt in the home run derby that he? No, no, okay. it's the because I, I think he hurt his right shoulder and now it's his left, or he had hurt his left and now it's his right. It's the other shoulder, but um, but I, I the way that Boone answered that question, I don't know if you heard his answer when he said it. It was very much like, yeah, it's the way it always is. Not like it's good, but just the way it always is. So <laughs> that kind of worrying answer. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's 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 peculiar. Like if you said that about Tanaka's elbow, it's like okay, fine, we know there's a problem there, and yeah, whatever. But so no, that's all. That, that's I, yeah, that's a weird. I mean, answer. it's it's early, and you know what? Honestly, I feel like if this was, uh, you know, ten years ago before Twitter, or fifteen now, I guess before Twitter, and just like the internet, this probably dies out quickly. If it's 25 years ago when most people are getting the answers in the paper it probably doesn't happen at all so i think it's just us having information right away like we know the minute that judge is held out of a bp group we have all day to freak out about it reporters know they have to get answers quickly so it's not just something that comes out in the paper like judge was held out today mri was clean just a little rest like you know yeah yeah and I, I think you're absolutely right. I think the uh, fan reaction is what really fuels this fire. I mean, if you look at the story just based on the facts and what was said, he's got his shoulders bothering him. They decided not to they decided to be precautious and not let him hit that day and he's supposed to start swinging in a couple days like and he's and he's good to go for everything else. like um, but just based on that, it's not it's not too concerning. And then you go, and then you go to Twitter, and it's we need to trade this guy. Um, Wait, somebody said that. I'm pretty sure there was a fan post on Pinstripe Valley that was a, an Aaron Judge trade proposal. And if then, the Yankees trade Aaron Judge, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna lose it. Yeah. And and then they're oh, this is why we can't extend him. Um, you know how how uh, what fan reactions are like. The same ones that anytime they show. Anytime there's a, a video from a beat reporter's phone of Stanton taking BP, throw him a slider, it'll swing and miss, like all this stupid crap that people just love to hate on. It's uh, it's pretty tiring. But those are the people that get really worked up about uh, about the crank. You know, it's cranky fans. Cranky Crank. fans getting mad about a cranky shoulder. I like it. I like it. It's pretty good. Um... Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not really that worried. I'd rather have it happen now than in October. Yeah. I feel like if it was a regular season, he would just play through it and then eventually get a cortisone shot, miss three days, and then be back. Like That's probably what would happen. Yep. But since it's the regular season, I mean, since it's preseason, you don't need to do any of that. Um, yeah. I'm, I really don't got anything else to say about it. It's, it's a sore shoulder. It's a, no, it's a cranky shoulder, and they gave it a couple days off. It's taking a nap for a couple days, and it won't be cranky anymore. Well, I hope he doesn't sleep on the shoulder while he's snapping because it might get more cranky. You know, that happens sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Anything else really happened? Like Andujar's playing some right field. Some yeah. Gary first Sanchez base, right? is uh, switching up his stance, trying to trying to help him not just improve upon his framing numbers that took a big dive last year, but also helping to keep his, uh, his blocking numbers on the upward trend. So we'll so, see how that works. I was actually thinking I was watching like some of these videos like because you know it, it's pre it's it's spring training so watching just a guy throw is exciting and yeah. I'm thinking 
these reporters that are just standing or like right behind the catcher, what happens if you have an AJ Burnett incident where a pitcher just loses one and you know, do you get clocked in the head? That that seems scary. Yeah. These reporters are, are taking their lives into their hands. But uh, luckily Yankee staff has pretty good control. I mean I wouldn't want to be standing there when, when Britain's throwing, but you know. Britain it's more you have to look out for your ankles and shins because that sinker is gonna bounce maybe bounce under a glove and then kick up and hit you in the shins. Yeah, that that's true. Well, I mean, you know, you got Yankees beat reporters coming off of knee surgeries and stuff. They're not going to be able to jump out yeah. of the way too quickly. But um, yeah, I, I look. I don't know the first thing about catching, honestly, and, and I mean, I'm sure you probably don't either. But nope. Apparently, the guy the Yankees got knows what he's doing, and I, if, if it helps Gary, it helps Gary, and hopefully, Gary just feels good about it, and then can concentrate on just crushing balls, and, and that'll be it. Yep. All right. Hey, did you see the somebody posted these videos of like the Yankees swings mirrored? Mm -hmm. So it looked like they were hitting like Judge and Sanchez were hitting left handed. Did you happen to see any of those? No. I'm gonna cool. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'll tweet them to you. But the the home run that Judge hits in the 2018 wild card game, the one you were covering, looks so good left handed. Really, (laughs) so good. And I was actually talking about this with Carolina. Do you ever notice like? If a righty hits a low ball for a homer, it doesn't look as good as if a lefty hits one low. You know, they have like that long swooping swing, but a lefty hitting a high ball for a homer doesn't look as good as a righty hitting a high ball. Like, I just kind of feel like aesthetically it works better when a righty hits a high ball for a home run and a lefty a low ball. It's interesting. Yeah. That's it. And a righty always looks better going oppo. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, think about, like, A-Rod hitting oppo home runs and think about, like, I don't know. Like, uh, remember we were at the game when Bird hit one oppo and we were just like, oh, that's a pop-up. Just kinda, <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, no, I mean, A-Rod had one of the nicest, at least aesthetically, oppo home run swings of all time in my mind. Oh, yeah, for sure. And Judge is right there with him. Yep. I mean, that's all Judge does. Yeah, Judge needs to pull the ball a little more this year and, and hit it in the air a little more. Yeah, I mean, I think he'll be fine. We'll see. See how his shoulders do. Yeah. All right, so um, I know uh, we both listened to the latest Effectively Wild, and they were talking about what we love about baseball, and we thought that was something we would like to do also, make it a little more Yankee-centric, right? Yeah, for sure. All right, so uh, you wanna, do you want to start us off? So you want me to say something I love about baseball, and then you'll come up with a Yankee thing that happened that that accentuates that? Is that how we're going to do it? Yeah. Okay. So I'm just thinking off the top of my head. One of the things I really love is when you have big moment pitcher versus batter, and you get one of these long, drawn-out counts where you got guys fouling pitches off, mm-hmm. taking borderline pitches. You get a battle at the plate, and then you get some sort of outcome. So that's that's probably my favorite thing about baseball is that little internal battle within the game in a big spot. So what's I mean, I'm sure you can think of a bunch of Yankee examples, but what's yours? Yeah, you know, it it wasn't I mean, look, there've been a bunch of classic playoff at bats like that in Yankees history, but what's weird is the one that pops up in my mind first is is um Andrew Miller versus Troy Tulowitzki in in 2015 cuz I mean, that was incredible. It was at 12 pitches and that was right, I believe that was right after Beltron hit that 
mm-hmm. hit that big home run when the Yankees were desperately trying to stay in the divisional race. And, um, and yeah, I mean, Tulowitzki put up a hell of a battle, but Miller, Miller eventually won it. I mean, that was, that was an incredible, um, just one-on-one. I remember watching it like, holy shit. And, and after every pitch, cause you know what, you know what they say after, at, you know, the hitter slowly gains the advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, but really all it takes is, is one good pitch to end it. And Miller got it. And that, that was, uh, yeah, that was pretty, uh, pretty incredible. Wasn't there another one that year where Tulowitzki also was against Miller and flied out to the warning track or something with the bases loaded? I feel like that happened once that season too. I don't, was but, the but one, the one you're like, talking about was in, this was at Yankee stadium where Gardner like jumped up and caught it at the wall. But the one you're talking yeah. about was in Toronto when Beltron, I think it was an O2 pitch and he looked like he had got blown away by the first two fastballs, yeah. but he must've been stealing the signs that he knew what was coming. So he was ready. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The other one was when like Gardner jumped up against the wall and the ball, like almost squirted yeah. out of his glove. And then he like jumped in the air after he realized that he hung on. Yeah. Um, yeah so, it was fun. It was frustrating at times, but it was fun. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of frustrating parts of, in the second half, but I mean, the first half was really fun. Seeing them clinch was really fun, especially after what had happened the last two seasons before that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the one that I think that's the one that pops in my mind first. What about, so what I think about when I phrased it, I was more thinking about Yankees Hitters. having at bats. I, I, I knew that it could go either way. And that's, that's a great one for a pitcher, but what about, and we could talk about, you know, even though he's not a great guy, we could talk about John Wetland against, um, what's well, Luis, Luis Polonia. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's another classic, but what about for a hitter coming through after battling through, through an at bat? Hmm. I mean, Jeter versus Kim in the 2001 World Series was a good at bat. He fouled he fouled off a, a bunch of pitches, got that count to three two before he hit that home run, the Mister November home run. Yeah, that, that was a good battle. Um, I, T- I, Tino Tino in the '98 World Series that was a good at. I, I think he looked at strike three <laughs> before the Grand yeah. Slam. <laughs> See, I don't really think about that one because it was really it was there was two strikes and three balls allegedly oh and, yeah yeah that's right in, in that at bat it's just you know he got to 2-0 uh then there was two strikes and there was the, the 2-2 pitch and that yeah. was it i would think more like paul o'neill in 2000 obviously yeah against benitez when he works the walk yeah gardner in the 2017 division series and that probably is better than the o'neill one even though it wasn't as big of a moment and then LeMahieu against uh, Osuna last year was amazing. And so was the game we were at with Hicks. That was really cool, too. Oh, yeah. He, was... he battled back into that count. He was down 0-2. Mm-hmm. So that, that kind of battle, that's huge. So that's it. What's, your, right. what's one of your baseball things? This, is, um, yeah, this would be a more generic one. Hopefully I can think of a, a better one after in the next round. But It's I, really not baseball. <laughs> um. But I love how even like I think about when the Yankees are winning by a blowout and then they bring in like a Nestor Cortez or a Luis Sessa or Sessa was good last year. But when those happen and then all of a sudden there's bases loaded one out and it's like a seven run lead and it's like you're still a little nervous because like the game isn't isn't over. You can't you can't milk a shot clock down. You can't. um you know, you mm-hmm. just, it's 
you gotta you gotta get the outs and the Yankees have had a bunch of comebacks in our time where they were down a bunch I'm sure well I'll let you try to come up with the examples first I have a couple in my mind already where you know the Yankees are down seven eight nine runs and still and still come back and win which I think is part of what makes baseball the best is because no matter how much you're up you know it's it's baseball is a team sport but also in a little individually driven too so guys aren't going to give up at bats even though the game might be seemingly over because they've they've got stat lines that they want to keep up so it ain't over till it's over is is the, yeah is the topic yeah all right so i'm gonna throw out like a four-run comeback i'm just gonna say unless it's like in the ninth inning i'm gonna throw that out and just go with more dramatic ones i'm also gonna throw out london because we were not playing baseball or playing something else <laughs> but um i think the yankees had a nine nothing comeback at fenway that was the one i was thinking of nick when, um, uh, to think to share i had two home runs nick yeah. swisher had the big double yeah that was monster. when swisher like pounded his yeah chest yeah both. yeah um there was one other one i was thinking of too the one against the Orioles yes. where Holiday hit the walk-off yeah. home run and Castro, Castro hit the home run from his from knee. His knee yeah. That was that was a sick game. That was really cool. Another big moment in that game, Ellsbury uh, Grand Ellsbury Slam. hit a Grand Slam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember I remember that. The Ellsbury Grand Slam got me to turn the game back on. I didn't watch <laughs> what happened. That's, um, that's the cool part about it, though. It's like there are those games yeah. where you turn it off after three or four innings. You're like, all right, it's not their night. And then, like – the group chat will go off and be like, oh, like not over yet. And then you like turn it back on and maybe it's 11, six or seven. And then you yeah. get to see the, the big home run. So and I, I think what's fun too, is you've seen it happen so many times is that you start playing the game in your head. Like they might be down by six and then they'll get a lead off single and the count will be one and oh, and you'd be like, all right, if LeMahieu can just work a walk here, cause he's already up one Oh, then we'll get judge up with two guys on and then a home run and we're right back in it. And it's like, you're down by six and you're still like, you're playing this game in your head. Yeah. Um, so yeah, th- those would be the ones I would think about. Obviously the playoffs would be down by six in game four yeah. in the sixth inning against the Braves. Um, and then, um, yeah, that, that'd probably be the biggest playoff one from our, our lifetime. And I think there was another one. Um, I said the Orioles won the Red Sox. Oh, there, there was like one against the Rangers. It's a Yankee classic where Posada hits the walk-off home run. I think it was 05, maybe 06. Um, but, yeah. Did you have any other ones that I missed? No, I mean the three that popped into my mind were 96 World Series, the Orioles come back with Castro and Holiday, and then the um, and the one at Fenway. Yeah, those are good ones. Who started right. that game for the Yankees in Fenway? Was it 2012? Yeah. Uh, I can't remember. Was it like Freddie Garcia or something like that? Yeah, maybe because they had him in 2011 and then brought him back and not Bartolo Colon. I think it was. I think it might. We'll have to double check that. But um. But anyway, uh, you're up. Um. So this, you can take this two different ways. Um. I love the fact that in a big moment, you can't pick who's up and the game just finds certain guys. And that could be it finds like a huge superstar or it finds just this random player and it makes that player a hero if they come through. So I really like the way that you can't manufacture who is up in the big moment, but the game affords opportunities to a more balanced uh, more balanced group of people rather than basketball, where, you know, pretty much one of two players is taking the last shot. Yeah, no, that's that's a good one. And like you said, in basketball, you draw up a play to find your best shooter if you're if you need a three pointer or or um 
Um, or in hockey, try to get the best guy at the front of the net or set him right, up you at call the blue line. Out to yeah. rest your lines, yeah, and you can put your top line out. Um, I mean, baseball, there's a little strategizing on the other end. Um, if you want to intentionally walk a guy to get another to get to another guy, or or you can pinch hit, but that usually doesn't move the needle too much because if there's a guy on your bench, it's likely because he doesn't alter the game too much. Um, so I guess I, I think it's, I think there's another example for the 2000 World Series when I think of Jose Vizcaino. That's a big I think one. there's two in that World Series. Well, what, Luis Soho? Yeah, yeah. two random-ass guys. And Soho was one. It was like, oh, okay, he's going to do it. But it was still like, here's yeah. a utility player. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, yeah, I would say that one. Um, what about the other direction when you get a moment and it's a, a superstar up and you're just like, wow, I can't believe this all fell together where this guy's up. I mean, this is not a Yankee one, but think about Beltron with the Mets in, in 06 when he looks at strike three. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I think of Jeter's last game when we were there and it's like, look how perfectly this yeah. unfolds. Um, yeah, that's that, what I was thinking. That was definitely, that's definitely number one for me. Um, Pretty much any big at bat in the 09 postseason when A Rod came up. Mm-hmm. I, think, I also I think, think it was per- it, yeah, and I think also like A Rod ended the 2010 and 2011 seasons with a strikeout and just having him up there, yeah. and just with his narrative. It's not like it, it's just it's funny how the narrative falls into place with him striking out to end the 2011 division series when they were down by one, and and you know it's interesting how that that all plays out. Another one. 2012 ALCS game one Raul yeah because just yeah. just just because of what he did in the ALDS mm-hmm. so that's and, and sometimes you feel it coming you're like we just got to get this guy up and we have a chance and, yeah but it's cool how it's just like the game finds you um all right so my next one would be how especially in this era where we're so you know data hungry and and always looking after always digging up as much advanced statistics as possible to try to project certain outcomes in what already is one of the most unpredictable sports and really sometimes when it comes to trying to project games it always just maybe just comes down to a lucky play so i guess i'm saying that to lead up to some something i love about baseball is how is how a big rally can be ended with in the unluckiest way, like a, a really hard hit ball just right at somebody to kind of like end a threat, or um, someone, someone in the uh, someone in the outfield not known for his range at all just happens to make like the play of his life to end to end a rally, just something really improbable. Um, or the so, other, like a, a high hit probability that doesn't become a hit, or a yeah, low hit probability. In, in, but in but in high leverage situations, like mm-hmm. for me, and I'm not going to try to take any examples from you, but I just think about Game Three of last year's ALDS as like the epitome of this, where like mm-hmm. the Twins just hit into the worst luck ever when they constantly had people on on base. But uh, yeah, I mean they they the Yankees positioning in the postseason was outstanding and outstanding work by their advanced scouting to to get all their guys in the right position but i mean you don't hit the ball that hard that many times and and have uh you know yeah have that kind of success so i think the obvious one again a game we were at paxton leaving paxton in all the analytics were against it the result a scary one 
was, <laughs> you know, the result was a hard hit ball, 399 feet and the, you know, it, it wasn't out. But I also think about, um, I also think about Jorge Posada in the 2003 ALCS. He hits a, like a ball off his fists. Yeah. I wonder what the hit probability of, of, of a ball at that launch angle and velocity is falling in for a hit. And it's one of the most storied hits in Yankee history. So it's like, you know, I mean, Pedro made a good pitch. He just, yeah. he hit it into no man's land. Another, another one from that, from that game in that inning is like, what if, um, what if Trot Nixon makes the right first step mm-hmm. against, in, uh, with Jeter's double, probably an e- probably a fairly easy catch for sure. All right. Um, so I got another one that I actually thought about when, when we were talking about a previous topic, but um, I love random guys that just have this like legendary performance or streak of performances. And then they just become kind of like trivia questions years down the road. <laughs> yeah. The Yankees have had a ton of those, especially when we were younger um, and, and in the two thousands. All right. Um, Shane Spencer would be my first nine years in the minor leagues and then hits two grand slams and weren't they both in September too? I thought it was three, but Oh, three. You're right. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and then, and then like continued into the playoffs, at least in, in the first mm-hmm. round continued yep. his hot streak. I think of Glenn Allen Hill <laughs> in, in 2000 at that random, uh, home run streak. But he had like a longer career of, of yeah. But in terms of that. Yankees, like yeah. he is the epitome of like a random Yankee trivia question of like someone mm-hmm. who got really hot yeah. with the Yankees. Maybe Shelley Duncan. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of pitchers, I think of Sean Chacon and Aaron Small, yeah. who had random spouts of of effectiveness. Do you remember when somebody got hurt and they had to start like his first career start, Tyler Clippard? Yeah, yeah. Then the headline the next day was the Yankee Clippard because he pitched great. <laughs> Wasn't that against the Mets on like yeah, Sunday, the Night Mets Baseball? On Sunday Night Baseball? Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess those would be the ones. I guess those would be the ones that stick out. Stick out for me. Like years from now, we're gonna be like, remember when Cameron Mabin came to the Yankees and was just really good, even though he was like way past his prime. And- yeah. Who knows? We might do that with Mike Talkman too, but I mean, not, not past his prime. But he just had this awesome streak, and could do it with Gio Urshela. We don't know, but you know, in the two thousands, there were some there were some definitely patchwork heroes that were that were involved. Yeah. Um. All right, so we've brought up a couple examples that made me think of this. So hopefully, we didn't take too many of them away. But going back to how baseball is so numbers driven i love how still sometimes managers just go with their gut and leave in a a pitcher when i obviously i don't usually love this in the moment because it's it's really scary when you think about not bringing a fresh arm out of the bullpen instead of sticking with the guy who's gone seven eight innings but if it's like a huge situation like a playoff game and the manager walks out and you're like all right you get out of your seat like ready to give the starter like a round of applause, but then the manager goes back to the dugout by himself and you realize that he's staying in the game. That's, that's something I love about baseball. Cause as much, as much emphasis as strategizing goes into things, sometimes, sometimes people just like go with their gut and leave a guy in. It's like, sometimes 
managers go through all this preparation and it might just take a couple words of assurance from the pitcher on the mound to make him realize like all right he's good and then he uh doesn't go to the bullpen well i've already yeah i I love this too i've already used the paxton example on on something else so uh, i actually have two one where it works one where it doesn't the one where it works, the most famous example probably in Yankee history is David Cohn in yeah, that 96. that was what I was thinking of. Uh, the Yankees have a ridiculous bullpen that year, and Torrey leaves Cohn in, and he gives up one run but gets out of it with any other damage. And then, I mean, probably the most famous one in Yankee history period is Grady Little walking off the mound without Pedro yeah. and uh, leaving Pedro in too long. So those are – I agree. That's really awesome because that's a moment where you just like – if it's your starter, you're like, come on, buddy, just do one more. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if it's not and you got a guy on the ropes, then uh, then that's a good one. Yeah, those were the exact two yeah. that were in my mind. All right, so uh, this is probably the last one I have that like I think of off the top of my head, but I love the feeling of ninth inning. The other team's got maybe a three-run lead, something like that. They have their closer in. And their closer just doesn't have it. And it's not like a walk, single, home run over quickly. But it's an inning that unravels very slowly. And you can just feel the momentum gathering against their pitcher, regardless of the outcome. They might, you know, you might get a crazy play to to end it where the pitcher just gets lucky to get the save. But that's sort of you're down by a lot that you realize the pitcher doesn't have it and you have a chance to pull off this amazing comeback that 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 momentum feeling of we're about to do something awesome here i love that feeling that's probably my favorite feeling watching a baseball game uh period so the i'm only getting one that immediately pops up and one that didn't work out in the yankees favor was uh game four of the 2018 alds that's exactly what i was thinking as i was talking about kimbrell clearly didn't have it he had some serious control issues and then got lucky in the fact that gary sanchez came two feet short of a walk-off home run um so like everything was pointing towards kimbrell not having it and the yankees making this comeback but it came down to just a couple feet on a ball that probably goes out in july or august and uh and that's all it took to decide the game and potentially a, a playoff series one that doesn't exactly follow the script of what i just gave but is very similar is and a happy one 2017 game four that eighth inning where you have the two singles to lead it off like you feel like all of a sudden like we got this train moving they can't turn to anybody to get outs and and they do come through obviously with the sanchez double as the exclamation point after the the first exclamation point of judge banging one off the wall oh yeah but I mean, and, and, you know, we saw it with, you know, you could go with Wallers in 96 and, and stuff like that. But I was thinking about that that game four uh, against the Red Sox as, as well, where it's just like, oh, my God, they're really going to pull off this amazing comeback. All right. So I guess I'll try for one more. Um, all right. This one might be hard to, like, find hard examples of. But I love when I love when it's playoff time. And your team has already either won that day or already advanced. And then you get to just sit back and objectively enjoy another playoff game between two other teams. And it happens to be a really good game. And, like, you don't have emotion invested in it other than you're just enjoying watching a good game. And you just hope the wildest outcome happens. Whereas when it's your team, you're like, please just score seven runs here so I don't have a heart attack. And, like, you're just able to... Because, you know, when it comes to us, like, we have so many countless 
great Yankee moments, but in the moment, you're freaking out. Like, not mm-hmm. really only until you get to watch the YouTube highlights years later are you like, man, that was so awesome. Because in the moment, you're just so you're so petrified that something's going to go wrong. So I like being able to watch a game, kick my feet up, knowing, like, all right, my team took care of business. Like, now I can just objectively enjoy another game and then hopefully that game winds up being a really memorable one yeah i i agree with you i can't think of any specific examples like in time where it was like the same day where the yankees won maybe at the five o'clock slot and then the eight o'clock slot they played but um you know if it's like they have a series wrapped up or if it's an off day after a win like watching dodgers nationals game five this year and all the games after the Yankees won the division series was was really fun and relaxing. And one of that I think about, and I'm pretty sure it happened after the Yankees um, took care of the Twins that year. I think they were playing, what or year? somebody. I, I I forget what year, but when Halliday pitched the perfect game in the postseason, um, oh, the um, no hitter. Excuse me. Yeah. I think the Yankees had won earlier that day. I could be wrong, but um, yeah, that that was that was pretty classic. Yeah, I, you mentioned uh, Dodgers-Nats game five. I was also thinking of the wild card game in the National League that year where the Yankees are, finally avoided the wild card game mm-hmm. and, uh, and the Nats got to hater. Yeah. That was, um, that was a good one to watch, knowing that the Yankees were already going to be in the, in the DS. Yeah, and watching 2017 wild card game, which was really good when that reliever hit the triple and he had like, oh, his yeah. tongue out. The like, you're just like, Yankees already won. I'm just relaxing watching this. This is awesome. Yeah. So that's, that's a good feeling for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, there's probably tons of other stuff we like, right? Like long home runs, great catches, but that's all very vague. And there's long home runs. We're spoiled. We're spoiled in right now. We have Aaron judge and John Carlos Stanton for sure. And then you get the Michael K a long home run. (laughs) (laughs) I'd rather have have Ruko on the call. (laughs) My goodness gracious. Yeah, Ruko is awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I guess that wraps it up for us. Now I'm looking forward to baseball even more. Now that we talked about what we love about it. Um, Gotta love a good scandal. I know. I am pretty exhausted from it. Ready for it to – obviously it's never going to – it's not going to die all season because everyone's going to be looking at how the Bregmans and Altuves and Correas perform this season and everyone's going to be looking at if any teams retaliate or any clever signs the fans make from in a in visiting ballparks so that's not going to die down but it will at least subside because there's going to be other baseball stuff to talk about right now this is pretty much it so hopefully like after all the players have talked and said their piece then it's much quieter not because i want this to go away like i want the full truth to come out but i also i'm ready to talk about other baseball stuff for sure and hopefully it's uh just dominant yankee wins and not cranky shoulders yeah (laughs) all right well uh yeah hopefully there's some new stuff to talk about next week maybe some stuff that actually isn't astros related we'll have to see i'm sure probably will be more to talk about this time next week who knows but Mm -hmm. um We will talk about it next week. We thank everyone for joining us this week, and we'll talk to everyone soon. You didn't tell me what you're looking forward to this week, but okay. Oh, geez. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Um, Look at me wrapping things up too early. All right. uh, Oh, geez. This is an easy one. The new season of Clone Wars comes out tomorrow. I've actually never watched Clone Wars, but 
I will tell you that. Yeah, I know. I got to go on Reddit and watch all this, the, the episodes. Well, that's what that's what I was, was going to say. But um, there are those filler episodes that that slow the show down a little. But when you avoid those and you watch just like the main story shows, I I think it's the best Star Wars prequel trilogy era content there is. I, Clone Wars is phenomenal. Gotcha. Well, that's why some forty one had it right. I'll kill it. Oh, no yeah. filler. Yeah. Um, I'll go TV too. I'm looking forward to Better Call Saul, uh, new season on Sunday. My wife and I really like that show, and uh, looking yeah. forward to the new season. I've got some work to do. I got to watch the whole last season now that it's finally on Netflix. There you go. All right, now you can wrap up. All right. Well, I already said it. So everything I had just said earlier, and we'll talk to everyone next week. See you later, everybody. <laughs>